Hello, listener. Welcome to welcome to my my podcast where I um where I feel as though I have been um sharing but kind of emotionally dumping a little bit. I I I I went back and I and I listened to the episode prior to this and it was really interesting because I started to cringe a little bit and I say that as if I I hadn't cringed the other episodes the truth is is that I haven't listened to the other episodes because I am afraid to because I am afraid of a little bit of the stuff I've shared even though I mean I don't I don't regret doing it it's you know it it's I mean Remember that feeling of like being a kid or like hearing yourself on a voicemail or something and you're like, "Oh my god, do I really sound like that?" It's it's, you know, it's that same kind of I mean, even some actors, you know, can't watch themselves in 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 films or or TV. But the truth is is that I I've I feel like my my brain is so is so tangled up in so many different thoughts and and ideas and and I've got so many feelings right now that I needed to go back and listen to the previous episode to first of all make sure that I'm not just really repeating myself here I know that there are going to be some repeated ideas and thoughts but I can definitely feel the anxiety in I don't know just just what I'm what I'm doing with this and I think because I am experiencing you know some mental struggles right now it it makes it even a little bit more fearful like dear god what's going to happen when I feel better a month from now oh my god what is all the shit that I said on this podcast but the thing about this is that that I have to keep remembering is Number one, I am not... I don't even know if there's going to be number two. I just have a tendency to say number one. Um, I'm not a mental health expert. I am a mental health enthusiast. And I have a passion for this stuff. And I have a, a deep longing to always kind of get into this kind of stuff. But I am not a professional. Um, sometimes I will give, you know sound advice and whatnot. But my biggest thing is, you know, it's again, and I, and I know I've said this before, it's like when people are trying to write something and they don't know what to write, it's like, write what you know, you know, we, we can't try to be something that we are not, you know, the, the, the goal I think in living just like an authentic life in general is being ourselves and that does feel like it's probably one of the hardest things to do we're getting so much information from so many different sources constantly and a lot of times we find ourselves wanting to do things the quote-unquote right way or to quote-unquote not look stupid um so anyways, I, I just, I kind of went on that tangent because 
I have to remind myself why I am doing this. And, you know, the the mental health uh, or self-help podcasts that I listen to don't sound like this. You know, they don't sound like, here's all the shit that I'm going through. It's more like, you know, I've gone through a lot of shit and here's a shit ton of wisdom now that can help. Also some sharing. And a lot of it is interviews with people. People who are, a lot of these people are experts, you know, mental health, you know, advisors, but just really sound kind of perceptive people that really can bring comfort to the mind um, to those who are listening to them, to those people who are seeking out some sort of guidance, you know, in a mental health podcast. What I'm doing right now is I'm literally mostly sharing um, what is going on in my life. And I have to remind myself that it's okay to do that because on some level, someone is potentially going to benefit from this because, you know, these cycles, you know, you know, of course there's the mental health stigma, but there's like stigmas upon stigmas upon stigma. I mean, the layers of these things, right? Cause it's like, okay, I might have the, the courage to say that I have depression and anxiety, but it's like, but how deep Am I willing to go in saying these things? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, what about all of the shit that we are afraid to say out loud? And it makes sense because, again, not everybody can hold space for us um, the way that we need. And and then sometimes, hopefully more often than not, we are blessed to find people in our lives, whether it is family members or, you know, adopted kind of family members, you know, new friends or people in support groups and whatever kind of capacity who will be there to be not just a voice of reason, but someone who will not judge you for these feelings or be quick to give you advice, you know, when advice isn't always what you need. And that that just goes for people in general, not just people with mental health issues, you know, because sometimes if you're feeling really fucking down, like really down, like unmanageably depressed or anxious, and you're sharing this with someone and they might have a tendency to want to give you a bunch of advice and say all these things, it can be very overwhelming and it can feel like, ah, you know, like, okay, well, that, that sounds, that sounds good. Yeah, maybe I should, but, but you just like, don't feel capable of doing that. Um, and I guess that's just another reason why I feel like it's important to share this shit. Cause again, a lot of people are going through this stuff. A lot of people have depression. A lot of people have anxiety. A lot of people have other things A lot of people are on meds. A lot of people have these things and aren't on meds. A lot of people are questioning whether they should be on meds. There's so many questions. There's so many uncertainties in life. And I just, I I, I know that I have to be able to. And, you know, before I, I hit record, I thought, well, maybe I won't say this or maybe I won't say that. And it's like, 
what's the point of doing this if I'm not going to be as transparent as possible? Now, I don't have to tell you about the bowel movement that I had early this morning, but I can share with you some some vulnerable shit that feels, number one, a little bit cathartic to share, even though it's been rough. It doesn't feel fantastic, but it feels a little bit cathartic, and it also feels like this could benefit someone who's going through it. And that, to me, is everything. Because, you know, in the previous episode, I mentioned this self-limiting belief that I have that is, I am not worthy unless I am in motion. Well, I found a different way to sort of describe that. And that belief is, I am not worthy unless I am contributing, contributing to something, to any way. And I know that I have to work through that belief because that belief isn't helpful. I think it is important to contribute as humans and to give back and to be there for people. I think it's literally like a lifeblood. I think that we are meant to do this, but if we have this idea Like if we are not at peace with ourselves, but we feel like we can't stop moving, um, you know, how are, how are we actually going to help other people? So my brain sort of, I hit like a little bit of a wall with that thought and, and I, I, I didn't know where to go from there but I wanted to say all of that. So I, I'm going to share with you um, some some updates, some things that have happened in the last couple of weeks since I released the, the last episode. If you have been listening, um, if you haven't, uh, just a really, really, really quick recap. I was on SSRIs, you know, antidepressants for about 14 years, for the better part of 14 years. Uh, Pre-COVID, early February, I weaned off of my meds with the help of my psychiatrist. I was determined to see if I could do this on my own. I wanted to also experiment with psilocybin, which is magic mushrooms, which I have read, you know, can help with serious depression and whatnot. And I had this idea that I was going to experiment with it. And I was feeling really like strong, like really strong willed about it. I was really like, I need to do this. And it was right around the time that I became sober uh, from alcohol and weed. And I specify alcohol and weed just because I did end up having a couple of mushroom trips uh, back in May. Um, The last episode, I disclosed that I had been taking St. John's wort, which I bought at Whole Foods. Um, I started taking it in the beginning of June because number one, I, I, I heard that it could potentially really help me. And I was right around, you know, the, the, I was kind of coming back into the mindset of, okay, I, I think that I do need medication. I am not in a good place right now. And who knows what the future holds? I mean, the world is in a very, um, I hate saying this in a way because I feel like it's pessimistic because there are always really good things in the world. And I think that really positive things come out of really tragic things and really bad shit has to happen sometimes for there to be awakenings and for people 
to potentially change and evolve. But the world has been in a chaotic place. So then I thought, you know, okay, maybe I won't need medication forever. Maybe I need medication now. And look, if there's any time to need medication, the time is now. You know, I stuck with it for a couple of months. I weaned off. COVID hit. You know, now we were living in a different world where we couldn't go out and see people and do all this shit. And I was just like, nope, I want to stick to it and really... You know, I was like fucking determined. I was like, I felt like, I don't know, man. I feel like I was trying to be a hero or something. And again, and it, this isn't to discredit myself, you know. I, I'm not trying to shit on myself for not, for for stopping my meds. Um, you know, there's also, a, a you know, there's also that saying where it's like, if it's not broken, don't fix it. And the truth is, is that, you know, other things can be broken that aren't necessarily medication related, you know, looking back on certain things that, that I think that I, you know, need to work through and, you know, maybe it didn't have to do with the medication. The medication kept me level, but there were things that I would still feel in my life that made me think, what if the medication isn't doing as much as it's doing? Um, so anyways, I know that I've gotten into this before, so let me just update you. So I was taking the St. John's Ward when I recorded the last episode. I took it for about two weeks. Um, I wasn't really noticing a difference, but then there was maybe this underlying question of maybe I am feeling a little bit of a difference. But the truth is, is that I was still waking up with really intense anxiety in the mornings. The mornings, unfortunately, at this moment of my life are the worst parts of my day. Um, Because I've, you know, I, I wake up and I open my eyes or my alarm goes off and then it's immediate dread. Just complete and utter dread. And it doesn't matter what thoughts come into my brain. Everything feels scary. You know, sitting up in bed, rolling out of bed, um, getting on the floor, being able to meditate, which I know is going to bring some relief, you know, but all of those things can still bring dread. Um, and that's what I've been experiencing for the majority of the month of June. So basically I, finally went back and saw a psychiatrist last week over Zoom. I was committed to taking the St. John's Wort for a couple weeks to see what would happen, but I went ahead and I made myself an appointment with the psychiatrist. Um, It was not the same psychiatrist that that helped me wean off of my meds, Um, even though she was super lovely. She's on maternity leave right now. So they gave me an appointment with a different doctor who's in the same office. And I had an appointment with this doctor. A few days before I had this appointment, I decided I was going to stop taking the St. John's Wart because whatever's going to happen at this appointment with the psychiatrist, I am going to, first of all, hear out what he has to say after sharing a bunch of my shit. But I am determined to feel better. And I know that's going to have to mean for me going back on meds. Because here's the thing psychiatrists, you know, they don't, they don't mess around with, with herbal kind of shit. They mess around with pharmaceuticals. And even though there's a lot of stigmas and a lot of opinions and a lot of 
you know, shit surrounding all of that, which of course I've still carried to this very day, um, medication can help. Um, it can help immensely. It does help immensely, you know, when it's, you know, when you find the right combination, you know, a, a person with meds that work well with their bodies. Sometimes this does not always the case. A lot of times I've heard plenty of stories of people being on meds where the shit just does not work for them. And in fact, they've had scary things happen where they've gotten worse or suicidal, or maybe they've had a seizure or like all of these things are possibilities. But anyways, I went into this Zoom for the first time, Zoom psychiatrist appointment with this doctor who I'd never seen before who had all my records because again he was filling in for my psychiatrist and I was started talking with him over zoom and um you know how sometimes you just get a feeling about somebody when you're talking to them I don't know what it was about this guy but I instantly liked him I just felt like I can trust this guy or this guy's hearing me when I talk and usually psychiatrist appointments are I don't know. I mean, they can be 15 minutes. They can be half an hour, whatnot. They're usually not, well, at least if you're seeing a psychiatrist on a regular basis, a lot of times it's, okay, these meds are working for you. Here's another refill. You know, we might catch up for a little while. Uh, maybe because this guy in particular I hadn't seen before, although he did have my records, he let me talk for a long time. Um, I shared with him just my own personal feelings and thoughts around the history of the medications that I've taken and when I would go off them and when I tried to do this or that or, you know, when, you know, I, there was a medication change that I had like four years ago, literally four years ago, almost to the month, um, back in 2016 and I had been taking something different for a year and I think that it was not doing me well and then I had all this anxiety again and this 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 pattern sort of came back if you will that almost felt like I had been off meds but I think I think that medication in particular wasn't working for me that was called Selexa um which is funny because I know people on Selexa um, I have family members on Selexa and it works for them. I think that maybe it just didn't. I don't think it made it worse. I just don't maybe think that it was just jiving. I don't think it did enough. But nonetheless, this was four years ago. So I sat and I talked to this psychiatrist and I just told him my history of everything. And when I got done talking, um, he, you know, he thanked me for sharing all of that. Uh, and he said to me, he said, he said, Bethany, you know, I, I noticed, I noticed as you were talking that there seems to be some patterns here where you will be on these medications and at, like, and they'll kind of work for you sort of. And then after a time, you'll feel like maybe they aren't working for you and you'll want to get off of them. And then like a few months later, you'll have this anxious break. And, um, you know, and I sort of agreed, you know, to that pattern, if you will. Um, and then he said to me, has any doctor ever suggested to you that you might have a mood disorder? And that really threw me for a loop. And it was a little bit confusing because the number one, you know, mood disorder that I know of, of course, is, is bipolar. 
And we immediately started talking about being bipolar. Not that he was suggesting that, but I was very quick to, first of all, to kind of step in and say, there is no way I am bipolar. I don't have extremely high highs and extremely low lows. And he said, I'm not saying that you're bipolar, he said, but there are other mood disorders that are more mild. And just from what you've told me, I would be really interested to try you on like a slightly different kind of medication than what you are on. Not to say that you can't go back to taking what you were taking, but I think that you could benefit from a mood stabilizer. And I was just like taking this all in and part of me was afraid. And then part of me was like, holy shit, what if this guy is really onto something here? You know, and I started thinking back and one thing I always do is get really introspective and I overanalyze my own behaviors. Um, but I started thinking back to like, like a mood disorder, you know, and, you know, and I think about the fact that I get really bad, really intense, really intense feelings around my period. Of course, look, a lot of women get emotional around their period. Um, PMS, all of these things, but I started thinking about how my periods can be really, you know, the the feelings that they can throw me in can feel like almost like I'm in crisis mode a little bit, like, uh, you know, each month, you know, and then I started thinking about, well, I am kind of a moody person. Like sometimes my mood can change in the drop of a hat and not in a way that my behavior changes or I'm like super reactive or I start acting out or aggressive or anything like that, but just the way that I feel. And, you know, I know that maybe having a mood disorder doesn't necessarily, every, look, anybody can be moody. You know, I I knew that I, you know, I, I understand that it wasn't so much about me feeling like, well, I'm a really moody person. Maybe I have a mood disorder, but that is kind of where my brain went. So he said, I want to put you on a very small dosage of a mood stabilizer. It's called Lamictal. Um, he said, what I would really love is for you to take the Lamictal at 25 milligrams for four weeks. He said, we can always include the antidepressants that you were taking, which by the way, you know, it was Zoloft and Wellbutrin. He said, we can always include those back in with it, but I don't want you to start taking them right away because I want to know what the mood stabilizer does on its own. So I was like, let's fucking do it, I guess. Um, And then this is, this is, this also, I mean, I might as well mention this too, because it, because it was also part of the, um, a part of the experience was I had told him, I said, listen, I have some leftover clonopin that my sister had given me last year. Um, was, I feel like that was like a, like a full disclosure moment. That's fine. I listen, I have family members that are on medications, but the point is, is that I had some leftover clonopin that I would take like only in like, you know, moments of really drastic emergencies, if you will. I told him, I said, I have a little bit of a complex taking these because addiction does run in my family. You know, I have a father who has been addicted to painkillers the majority of his life. And I said, I've always been very reticent about taking Klonopin, but 
I conceded a few weeks ago in taking it because it was the only thing that helped me in those interim periods when the anxiety was so bad and then I was waiting for the SSRIs to start to really begin working. I mean, the thing that sucks about a lot of these antidepressants, of course, is, and it depends on how your body metabolizes things, but a lot of these medications take several weeks to really start working. So sometimes, you know, a psychiatrist will prescribe will prescribe a, you know, a benzo or, or something, an anti-anxiety, specifically anti-anxiety, you know, something that's like more of a controlled substance. But again, if you need it, sometimes you have to take it. Um, but I was telling him, I said, I've also been taking half a clonopins in the morning and sometimes in the evening. And I said, and I didn't want to do this, but I just felt the need to do it. And uh, this psychiatrist was interesting because I feel like psychiatrists who I've seen in the past have been a little bit more, I don't want to say generous, but more lenient with how they're prescribing things. Um, I've never gotten like refills of clonopin. I've only had clonopin for brief moments over the years during really intense periods. Like I said, when there was like a medication change or if I had gone off of the meds. Um, but he said, he said, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, oh God, what was the word? Um, he actually said holistic. He said, I'm really kind of more holistic when it comes to this stuff. Um, he's like, I don't like to overprescribe things. He said, I want to start off slow. He said, instead of prescribing you some clonopin, he said, I'm going to, um, prescribe you, I, I think it's, I think the pronunciation is propranolol, but it's a beta blocker and it basically, you know, slows, sl it's meant to, it's meant to slow your heart rate so that when you're feeling really anxious, this shit can actually help you in your uh, body. Um, and, and so I also just kind of conceded to that. And, you know, and I figured, well, I will, I guess not take the half of clonopins or, or whatnot. And I'll just start taking these beta blockers. Um, and so basically, so today that I am recording this, it's, it's, it's Friday, it's Friday, June, uh, just June, Jesus, it's, uh, it's, Listen, it was June a few days ago, so I'm not going to be that hard on myself. Um, it's Friday, July 3rd, and I have now been taking Lamictal for one week. I was taking the beta blockers for a few days, but I'll be honest with you, um, it was not enough. So I stopped taking the beta blockers, and I started taking the half a clonopin again in the morning. Um, I actually, so when I, when I started taking the Lamictal last week, I had high hopes but I also knew in the back of my mind, you know, you know, if this helps me, I might not feel relief for a while, you know, and I had to just like surrender to that notion and then also hope that these beta blockers would do something. Well, a few days after I started taking, you know, the Lamictal, the beta blockers, I had, um, I had an experience where I was out in public and I was with a, with a, with a really good friend and we had just gone on a hike and, um, 
I'll just share this with you for, for, for shits and giggles, I suppose, because little things can be triggers and we forget this. And I forgot this because everything felt like a trigger to me, but we were on a hike and we were talking about our families and we were talking about some really deep shit stuff that I feel like at the time I'm surprised that I was able to talk about this. I was, I was also on a hike and I have not been working out as intensely as I was for several months and as I usually am for, for, you know, just in life in general. I know I've talked about my, like a little bit of my workout obsessions and whatnot, but, um, I had been so anxious for a few weeks. I was, I literally physically felt like I couldn't work out. I was too nervous that I was going to have a, I don't know, a panic attack or, or like, like a real anxious break or something. It was just so intense that I just couldn't do it. And then I had to accept the fact that I couldn't do it. But anyways, we were on this hike talking about some deep stuff. Um, when all of a sudden there was a couple that was jogging towards us and this woman tripped and fell, um, like literally right in, in front of us, she tripped and fell. And I think the wind got knocked out of her. And of course our instinct was to stop and be like, Oh my God, are you okay? And she, um, I didn't notice it at the time, but her like middle finger got, was like mangled. So when she went down, she hit her finger really hard and I think it broke. And then her husband helped her up and they thanked us and whatnot. And she just kind of like, not shrugged it off, but you know, basically was, Oh my God, I think my finger's broken. He was like, yeah, I think it is too. Let's basically get the hell out of here. I'm sure that startled me in some way. I know that sounds like probably something very small, but so, you know, you know, when you're on high alert, when you're feeling anxious in general, even if it's like a somewhat of a low grade compared to maybe the dread I'd been feeling in the mornings, I'm sure it affected me somehow plus the conversations that we were having. Anyways, we went down to get some lunch and I started to feel really, really anxious while we were uh, eating. Really anxious and emotional. And immediately, I started to get nervous about the Lemic doll. I thought, this was, this was like the fourth day I was on it. And I thought, oh fuck. What if the Lemic doll is making my anxiety worse? What if it's gonna be worse for me? What if this is not the right thing I should be taking? What do I do? Uh, should I keep taking it? I don't I don't want to keep taking it if it's this or that. Maybe I should just go back to the beds I was on because they've, they've worked. And yes, it'll take a couple of weeks, but I can still take the Klonopin. In the meantime, my brain was just like racing like crazy. And I was fucking nervous. So I actually called the psychiatrist's office and um, the doctor who you know prescribed these to me was able to call me back later on that afternoon. God bless him. Uh, and I just, I just told him all of this. I was like, look, I got really nervous about the Lemic dog because I was really anxious earlier and whatnot. And I don't know if this is the right thing that I should be taking. And maybe I should just go back to what I was taking. Cause it, it did, I mean, it did work, you know, now just as a quick side note, you know, how, what, what works? I mean, look, the, the medication kept me, kept me stable for, for, for years, of course there's other shit going on, but like, it's, you know, it's, it's incomparable to me being on meds versus me being off meds. Cause off meds, you know, I mean, usually it like takes a couple of months for me to start really feeling unregulated, but it's unmanageable. You know what I mean? So, um, 
so I'm, I'm telling, I'm telling this doctor this, this information. And he said, he said, listen, he said, I can't force you to take the Lamictal. He said, the only thing he said, if it's, you know, if you're really, really nervous and paranoid about it, you know, I understand if you want to stop taking it. He said, if you want to go back on the meds you're on, he said, you can start off, you know, start off small, start off with a smaller dosage and you can start to wean your way back up. And he said, but if you think that you can manage to get through a week, just a week and see how you're feeling, he said, I would would really encourage you to try and stick with it for a week. Um, and I told him, I said, also, listen, I said, I took half a clonopin today. Uh, I, 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 I think the beta blockers may have been doing something. I mean, I could definitely feel my body calmer, but it wasn't helping my brain. And I said, I, I just, I think I need a little bit of clonopin still in the morning. He said, that's fine. He said, I'm not going to prescribe you any clonopin right now until we actually have our next appointment in a couple of weeks. Um, you know, but he asked if I still had enough and I said, yes. And he said, you know, that's, that's fine. And just talking to him over the phone, you know, and again, I don't know this guy personally. He is a psychiatrist, but I, this guy is sincere. And I think just being able to get those fears, those, those fears out of me and, and say this stuff was very helpful and I felt better. I thought, okay, let me try and give it a week on this Lamictal. Um, and then I'll have like, you know, the half a clonopin in the morning and, and stuff like that. So, um, it's officially uh, a week today. Um, here's the thing. It's still really early to tell. I do, I will say this. I don't think that I am worse. Um, so that, that moment that I had when I was really afraid, um, you know, and, and I don't really know, you know, it's so, what's interesting about these drugs is that I don't, I have not, ex, I have knock on wood, but I have not experienced super negative side effects from antidepressants before or anything else. Of course, this is, this is a mood stabilizer. This is something different. So I don't know how long it's supposed to take before, um, I guess shit could hit the fan, right? If it does not interact with your body well, I don't know. Um, I, I, I'm assuming that it would happen sooner than later, but again, I don't know, but I've given it, I've given it a week and, um, still taking, you know, half a clonopin in the morning, um, just because I need to, but I will say this and it's so interesting. It's so funny how I, I'm so quick to, you know, to be specific in the details that I say, but I'm also very like specific in reminding like with like, you know, my friends who have been, you know, checking in on me and whatnot. I'm so quick to say, listen, I think that I'm doing, and basically, and this is, this is what I've been telling people now. Cause it's, it's been a week I've been saying, I feel like there is this tiny shred 
of light that might be poking through the blinds here. And, but, but I still feel not good. I mean, every, everything still feels like very trying and very scary and very uncertain and, and, you know, but, but, but again, but again, that's still the state of the world. Um, not that I'm even capable of, of like looking at news or being on social media for, for more than a few minutes at a time anyways, but, um, there's, there's something that makes me feel like, okay, maybe it's doing a little bit of something. Also, it's a very small dosage of Lamictal. It's literally 25 milligrams. So at this point, at this point, what's happening is I'm, I'm going to continue taking it. Um, there is a, a huge part of me that's very um, tempted to start weaning back onto my old meds in addition to this because I can do both. But at the same time, it's like, maybe I owe it to myself to just keep on with this mood stabilizer alone. Well, not necessarily alone. The clonopin is helping. But the more that this mood stabilizer would, you know, theoretically, the more that an SSRI or a mood stabilizer would start to work, the less theoretically I would need the clonopin, right? And something I did notice is that over the last few days, even though I'm still waking up with a lot of anxiety, there seems to be something that just feels a teensy bit muffled about it. Just like a teensy bit muffled. Um, and that and that is what is happening as far as all of the extreme details go. Um, I know that it's a lot of information, um, you know, getting, a, getting, a, you know, I think I just have to take it. I'm taking things a day at a time. I'm taking things a week at a time. I'm starting to see, and, and I do want to mention this, um, just, just for this, just for the sake of me being very, um, grateful, but the job that I, um, have been working in has allowed me to take more time off so that I could get back on my feet and more mentally stable because they also, uh, recognized that I was not, um, doing really well. Hence, you know, not, you know, not being, not saying that I, that I wasn't being an asset, uh, to work, but I definitely, you know, wasn't keeping things probably light or super positive. So anyways, I have an extended period of time off right now and I am so, so grateful for it. And, um, you know, it's also, but of course it's also scary too. In the last episode, I talked about how I, I used my, my sick and vacation hours to take like a week off and how I was also nerve wracked because even though I didn't have to go in and have like a, a responsibility, which I didn't feel super capable of doing. Now I have time. What is time? What am I doing with time? Because look, you know, you know, somebody who's feeling mentally stable, 
might take this time off and think, oh, fuck, yeah, I have a vac- I'm, I'm on vacation. I can do whatever the hell I want. And the truth is, is that it, 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 it's, it does not feel like that, you know, for me at this, at this moment, you know, everything feels extra uncertain, you know, and it's like, I know who I am on a soul level. You know, I, I have been working on the self-love stuff for the last few years, but I'm going to tell you something right now. When you're, when you're, no matter what kind of mental illness you might have, if your brain chemicals are not um, leveled or doing the things that they are, you know, supposed to be doing for you to feel, oh, just like, just even like, okay, everything feels scary. Everything feels out of whack. And it's just, and it's, it's such a weird thing. And here's the, here's, here's another thing though. I have been through this before, you know, at, yes, at different ages. Yes. At different times of life. Um, we are definitely experiencing things in the world right now that are, uh, of course, um, super unknown and unprecedented and all of those things. But I have experienced these imbalances before these fears, before these anxieties, before I've had them. And, and there's this little, I keep referring it as a little tiny Bethany. That's like, I don't know, sitting on my shoulder or sitting somewhere deep in my knowing that has to remind myself, not just daily, but like multiple times a day that like saying to me, you are going to get through this. You have been through this before. I know this is scary. Now you are going to get through this. But it's so fucking crazy. It's so crazy when when you try to analyze things from an unstable mind, because you don't get anywhere. And, and, and sometimes when you overanalyze things in life, even feeling mentally stable, you can't really you don't you don't get many places a lot just by overanalyzing and, and overthinking, right? So when I find myself trying to do this the only thing that I can really say is I'm just constantly telling myself that I am okay. I will literally look in the mirror and I've had many moments looking in the mirror recently where I have cried and I have said, and you know, we're, we're, we're cutting into some deeper shit here, but I have looked at myself and, and I haven't, I haven't done specific work around like nurturing my inner child, but I've like dabbled. So with that in mind, I have been looking in the mirror and crying in the mirror and telling myself, I love you. Uh, I am here with you. I've always been here with you. I am never leaving um, you. And I know that's, it's an interesting thing, right? Because it's like, we're two different people, you know, like the conscious, the subconscious or the ego or the whatever the fuck. But I have been having to do that for myself because the truth is, guys, I have a lot of really wonderful friendships and I have several close friends who know exactly what I'm going through, who have been there for me. But at the end of the day, I'm still going through this on my own. We have people 
that love us, that can care for us, that can hold space for us. And I hope to God that, that you, whoever is listening, that you have that as well. But it is, it's just a fact, right? It's a fact that we, that we, um, are the ones still experiencing this. Now we can't do it alone. We need support, especially in these moments. Um, but that, but that notion of me, but, but, but me knowing that at the end of the day, because I have, listen, I have been exercising my resources like fucking crazy over the last couple of weeks. I will call people. I have a couple different sponsors from a couple different like 12 step meetings and, and, and whatnot. And I will talk to my close friends and I will just talk and talk and talk about everything. And again, they're holding space for me. And there's a couple things I want to say to this, but the one thing is that as comforting as it can feel in those moments when I'm speaking to them, there is a fear going on in the back of my mind that this phone call is going to end shortly and then I'm going to be alone. And, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't happen. That didn't, that is not a common thing that happened to me several months ago when I was on medication and more regulated. Um, so it's this, it's this scary thing, right? So it's like, if you have it in you, if you have it in you, I have had to do this for myself because it doesn't matter who I'm talking to, whether it's my therapist or a close friend or whatnot, I know that they can't carry me through these, these, these dark, scary moments. They can minutes at a time. They can help guide me. They can help comfort me. They can do this. But like, I'm the one that's getting into my bed at the end of the night, having thoughts, having feelings, and um, having to just accept that, you know, I am with myself, so I have to comfort myself, you know, it's a, it's a very, you know, similar, similar kind of thing, if you've heard it before, about reparenting yourself, right? Um you know, if you're feeling like really unsteady in, in your body and your thoughts and your mind and your this or that, if you have it in you, if you have something inside of you that knows or that's like witnessing this happening, you know, like th- that you can remind yourself that you are safe, you are loved, you are loved by yourself, you know, it's, 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 there's a lot of layers to this, of course, but it's a lot of this is me really having to be, to like reassure myself a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And then if I'm having moments when I, when I genuinely, it's, 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 I I don't feel like I can do it. I'm on the phone with someone. I'm I'm not going to lie. And I have some shame surrounding this. Um, I do. I do. I have without getting too much into it, but you know, I grew up with, um, uh, a loving mother who did instill some, some, some shame in me for 
wanting to spend time with my friends a lot as a child. And so to this day, and I'm 34 years old, I still have a little, probably a lot. Well, it's not stopping me from calling friends. That's for damn sure. But there's still shame that exists from from reaching out or from feeling needy. And I know that that is not uncommon because so many times, so many times, you know, do we not pick up the phone and call somebody who we know might make us feel better, but we don't do it because we don't want to be a burden to them, you know? And it's like, we, of course, you know, if you're, if you're dealing with that, we have to remember here, these are adults, you know, we do as adults have responsibilities to be able to tell people, Hey, listen, I can handle this right now, but I can't handle this. You know, sometimes people can hold space for us depending on who they are or where they are. And some people can't, but we can't make the assumption that we're going to be a burden on someone. We can't do that. It's not helping us because we need people in this life to get by. We genuinely need people. So sometimes I'm, you know, sometimes I'll call a friend and then I'll try and sit alone for five minutes and then I'll call another friend, you know, and it's, I'm, I'm, I'm conscious of what I am saying in these conversations. But again, a lot of what I am being met with is, you know, kindness and patience and people holding space for me and, you know, people, listening to me as opposed to trying to shove maybe ideas and advice down my throat, um, which is not what I need right now. So I just really want to also express that I am very grateful that I have friends like this. And I'm telling you something, you know, whoever you are, who is listening, whether you have one friend like this or 10, be grateful for those friendships. And I promise you that there is an abundance of them. Even if you only have one, there are more people out there who you are going to meet in your life, who are going to be able to hold space for you. If you keep an open heart and keep an open mind. And I'm, and I'm saying this to those of you who may be, may be feeling genuinely isolated because you are not alone. I mean, you are really not alone. But I understand that feeling of being like, yeah, I'm not alone, but I kind of fucking am alone because I have had to sort of push back against that a little bit. Or sometimes I have to let myself think that and say, okay, Bethany, yes, you are physically alone right now. But if shit hits the fan, you have many loved ones who are going to be there for you. And at this moment, you are experiencing an entirely new medication regimen and everything feels very, very shaky and it is scary and you are not going to feel like this forever. This is a temporary thing. But I've also accepted the fact that it's like, even though this feeling fucking sucks, it also feels like this and I don't know how else to explain it. Because it's not like I went off my meds and, and expected and hoped that all of this would happen. I hoped for the best. But there is a huge part of me that feels like I am supposed to be experiencing this right now. I don't exactly know why. You know, there are definite fears and deep things that, that have come up for me during this time that 
Yes, they're exacerbated, I think, because I am not chemically leveled, if you will, but these are still real fears. Do you know what I'm saying? So what's going to happen when I am more regulated and feeling better? Those certain fears don't necessarily go away. They were just way more intense because I was irregulated. So my biggest thing is, what are these moments, these really challenging moments right now, teaching me? about who I want to be and the things I want to practice and the things that I want to do for when I'm feeling better even, you know, because so many times it's just like, you know, somebody who might get on meds, feel good and then get off of them because they're like, I don't need this anymore. I'm feeling good. But it's like, well, you're feeling good because you're taking the meds. Um, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff to all of this shit. And I just, I just want to tell you that I just want to share this not to not to, you know, not for any sort of, you know, pity or whatnot, but there were probably a dozen moments in the last week or two of my life that I have sobbed into whatever food I was eating. It's kind of weird because I feel like I feel like lately I have been I have been um You know, yes, I've been anxious, but I also have been depressed. Now, not so depressed that I can't get out of bed, but still depressed so that I can't, I have trouble feeling joy. I have trouble feeling good things, you know, feeling excited, feeling this, feeling that. So I feel like I've been running away a little bit from those kind of depressive feelings. And, you know, I've been spending a lot of time at home and home has started to feel a little depressing to me. And I would like that to change. So I really am trying to reframe my my brain and even like change things around like in my own bedroom so that I am more comfortable there. But there have been so many moments when I've been like eating in my car, you know, whether it's like a giant ice cream cone or like a salmon taco or an impossible burger or like a fish burrito when I have literally just sobbed into my food just sobbed into my food. And and I was telling a friend this and she said, well, it kind of makes sense, right? It's like when you're a baby and if you're being breastfed or bottle fed or whatnot, it's like, that's like the pacifier when you like, you're really feeling all of these emotions, right? And then you're given that bottle or you're given that breast and then it just kind of, and then you're relaxed, right? So then I don't, I don't know why this all kind of ties in. I guess I'm just mentioning this, but it's like, you're kind of relaxed now, or maybe I've been so anxious. I've been in this heightened state and now I'm eating food, relaxing, sitting, and then all of the emotions come out. I don't know. I I just wanted, I wanted to give you a visual that might seem a little bit sad, but that is also comical that I was sobbing into my fried fish uh, burrito that I got from Baja Fresh. Um, And, uh, which is kind of a shame because, you know, fast food like that is already so salty. Um, adding tears to the mix is, is probably not the healthiest thing. Um, I want to, I want to, I want to just, I want to mention just sort of one or two more things that I feel like it's important to mention because I know that people 
will be able to relate to this potentially as well. I mean, of course you'll be able to relate. It's that feeling of, you know, that feeling that you have when you're really, really, really passionate about something. You could be a musician, you could be an actor, you could be a painter, I mean, a, a, a dancer, a, anything that you feel that you are just like desperate to do or you're, you're desperate to be in that element. And I think especially nowadays when we have not been able to really get out and perform the ways that we want to or, or do whatever it is that makes us feel good that we feel like we're incapable of doing. Um, it's that, it's that, that, that longing, that really deep longing sensation, you know, um, and feeling like you can't really do a whole lot about of it. I have been feeling like this so intensely because it's interesting because again, I have been feeling anxious and depressed, but not, but, but there's levels to this, right? So I'm not like in my bed all day depressed. Um, but I'm, I'm functioning, but I'm still very like low, like low level kind of fucking depressed, but I still have these passions and these desires to do certain things. And like I said, and to contribute, you know, the whole not feeling worthy if I'm not contributing and, and I have, I have been trying to, you know, uh, you know, chemically uh, imbalancedly, um, accept the fact that I maybe am not in a place where I can contribute anything right now. And that is okay. That is such a hard concept for me to grasp. I mean, the only thing that I feel like I'm contributing right now is potentially any sort of wisdom that's in this podcast, um, at all, or, or just by me sharing. I don't know. I hope to God, but just that, that feeling of not being able to pursue my dreams and these deep desires that I have, just even if it's just at this moment while I'm, while I'm clinically depressed and waiting for these fucking medications to start working. Cause it's like, those passions are still there, but I don't feel like emotionally capable of doing them. That is such a hard concept that I have been grasping with. And it's requiring some really deep, really deep, really fucking deep self-compassion, self-love, and patience, like really deep fucking patience. Um, patience is, is, is so weird because I feel like there's so much more to patience, you know, there's, there's, there's like reframing ideas, you know, like if I were to picture myself maybe a couple of months from now, um, God willing that I'm feeling pretty good. Um, I have really high hopes or at least feeling a lot better than I have been. You know, if I had to think about that person, me a couple of months from now, and what I would say to myself now is in this state, I would say to myself, take advantage of this time that you have to get to know yourself a little bit better maybe get to know those dark corners of yourself that you're so afraid of even though it is feels scary to go to but also really and try and simplify 
simplifying things has felt so um, impossible lately with the way that my anxious brain works. Because I can, you know, look at something and, and feel anxious for, for no, you know, quote unquote, apparent reason. But really simplifying, like, what do I feel like doing in this moment as opposed to, oh my God, what am I going to do tonight? Or what am I going to do tomorrow? Or, oh my God, what am I, you know, I'm not working right now. What am I going to do next week? What is it, you know, and I start, I start becoming afraid of my own feelings, which a lot of times, you know, that's really what we are afraid of. We're afraid of feeling pain and hurt and all of this other kind of shit. So if you are going through something right now, that's deeply painful, no matter what it is, you are going to get through this. You are going to get through this. You've been through difficult things before, even if they haven't looked identical to what you're going through. You have resources. You have blessings. There are things, there are little gifts. If you try your best, even if you don't feel like it, even if it doesn't come natural to you, if you just try your best to look at little things as a gift, even when they feel painful, because pain in whatever format it comes in is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to learn and to grow. It's not meant to keep us in a dark place for the rest of our lives. It's kind of like a redirection and it doesn't have to be figured out all right now. That's another thing too. The uncertainty of these times, you know, the uncertainty of one's mental health, you know, getting back on new meds and wondering whether or not they're going to work or not. I mean, this, you know, this fucking sucks. It sucks, but it doesn't have to be the worst thing in the world if you just reframe your mind around it a little bit. Just a little bit. And getting still, I know, can be very scary no matter what. Because what is getting still, right? Doesn't mean that you have to necessarily be silent, but what if you put your phone down, you know what I mean? Or you just listen to yourself or listen to your body or did a medica uh, <clears throat> medication, did a meditation or just something. But even just moments when you just allowed yourself to feel and experience thoughts and feelings without judging them, but just allowed them to pass. Um, These are things that I would just love for you to take into consideration if you're struggling right now, even if it's a tiny struggle or if it's a big struggle. But I promise you that if you are really going through some shit, there are people out there who love you, who are willing to help you. But you have to believe that. You have to know it. You have to know it to be true. And because energy... I'll tell you something, energy and the way that we think controls so much of what we do. And even though I've been feeling very uncomfortable feelings recently, I have been doing my best to, you know, thank God, thank the universe, thank whoever, be thankful for these little tiny things that may not feel like they're making me feel so much better necessarily 
but that are still helpful things. You know, something that's not going to make me jump through the roof with excitement, but something that's nice. Um, just because you know, probably in a more maybe regulated state, or if you're feeling better, that you would enjoy something like that. Remind yourself that it's a positive thing. And that, again, pain is an opportunity. But that you will not be in this state forever. Thank you so much if you've listened this far. I really commend you. You have wonderful listening skills. I don't know how you did it, but I'm very grateful. Um, I hope that you are all staying safe and staying healthy and doing what you can to take care of yourself. Um, Remember that loving yourself is so important and not just loving the parts of yourself that are desirable, but loving all of those parts of yourself. Um, Whatever you're going through, it's temporary. Things are going to ebb and flow. But you are growing and learning and evolving. And if you try and keep a positive mindset and try and utilize people in your life who you think, you know, really love you and who you can trust, you're going to be better for it. Thank you so much for listening. And I fucking love all of you.